Baby. What's up? Not much. How you doing? I'm good. Welcome to Cheating on Fear. Yes, welcome everybody. What are we going to talk about today? We are going to talk about non-traditional relationships. In other words, pretty much every couple's biggest fear. <laughs> the ones who don't know about it yet, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions behind it, right? Like if you tell somebody you have an open relationship, what does that mean to them? It means that there's just people fucking other people with reckless abandon with no checks or balances. Or I think a lot of people just think it's a huge free-for-all. Well, it's not easy to define, right? Well, why don't we do that? Okay. Well, let's start with the easy thing. Okay. If somebody said to you and said, I'm in a monogamous relationship, how would you, how would you interpret that? How is the only way to interpret that? It, it's interesting because everybody thinks that all monogamous relationships look the same. And essentially they are. I At mean, their- you, don't, you don't touch, kiss, fuck anyone else except your partner. But does it look the same? I mean, it's... There are some subtle differences. People have different um, sensibilities. Like what... Is everybody's definition of cheating the same? No, but I think you're getting ahead of yourself there. I think think the point is, is that you... I mean, you nailed it when you said that a monogamous relationship is you don't have any kind of sexual interaction with anybody other than your partner. Okay. boyfriend, girlfriend, and befriend, uh, husband, wife, whatever that might be. Okay. Okay. Um, but then when you talk about on and the gray area kind of leads into that non-monogamy side of things because there, I think there are a lot of people that would consider themselves to be monogamous, but might be okay with flirting in a nightclub or having flirty text with a coworker or like there's that gradient and that sliding scale on what's acceptable but generally speaking most monogamous couples would not accept somebody fucking somebody outside of the relationship <laughs> that's pretty general yes right? Pro- and probably sex is little brother and sister which would be like oral and you know like that kind because of because they like, have the same last name because they have the same last name right, right? yeah or even Yeah, it, it's it's funny. We, I mean, I'm almost embarrassed to say that we've been <laughs> sucked into the 90 Day Fiance universe. Oh my God, like deep into deep. that. <laughs> and it takes us an hour and a half to watch a 40 minute show because we have to stop and go, wow, look at these people. It's very, very rigid sort of that traditional monogamist relationship. Yeah. And one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast, which probably is going to end up being a two-parter. I think so. um, Is to sort of shed some light on alternatives. And I, it doesn't necessarily mean that you go from a monogamous relationship to dating and having sex with other people while your partner sits at home waiting for you anxiously to walk through the door. There's a lot of, there's a lot of space on the continuum there. And I, we just thought it would be helpful to flesh that out and share what we've learned I mean, over the last few years. That's one way to do a non-monogamous relationship. So <laughs> wait at home while your partner comes home from fucking somebody else. Yeah. Uh, it might not be what most people are comfortable with. But if you are, then cool. That's... No, but I think that's what a lot of people think about. Right. I think that's when you say non-monogamy to people, you know, one of the reasons we called this podcast Cheating on Fear was because fear is what stops growth. I think, and and evolution and progress as far as emotionally or in your relationship or in just personal development. Fear is what stops all of that. 
So, and when people go right to that most fearful version of what they think something is, it stops them dead in their tracks from looking at any of it. And that was, that's why I wanted to, and I think why you wanted to as well, sort of delve into this and dive into this because taking that fear out of it and saying, no, 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 you don't have to, you don't have to go charging into the solo dating and finding another girlfriend and finding another boyfriend and finding all of those kinds of things. It's, which is an option for people. It if, is, if you but, want. but, but, and, and I think, I think one of the, another thing is to sort of remove that idea of the hierarchy that okay. people that, that are in sort of a polyamorous situation and we'll kind of backtrack and kind of yeah. define our terms, but, um, that is not necessarily the goal of a relationship where it's like we're at the highest order of non-monogamy doing this it's what is right for you and your partner at that time and different relationships with different people can be different it doesn't you're not locked into anything i think that's one of the big things is that monogamy locks you into a certain model forever and, and there's no discussion and it locks a lot of people in Precisely because there is no discussion, because it's a it's a default position. Because ninety day fiance and most of our movies and all of these, um, this media and and relationship models that are projected on us from when we're impressionable and young is two people. I mean, it used to be a man and a woman, but now we've gotten a little bit more liberal in most parts of the world. It can be two just two people, um, and. That's it. And and you find you find your soulmate, you find the one, and you are with them for the rest of your life. And it only is a success if one or both of you die. <laughs> it's funny because in almost anything else in life, if somebody dies, that's considered a bit of a failure. Yeah, except for, except in a, a monogamous relationship. <laughs> That's a success. <laughs> wow, that, that my mind is a little blown yeah. on that one because that that's the first time. Yeah, you're not successful in war if you die. No, but in a monogamous relationship, yep, successful. <laughs> I I always get these visions of the Saturday newspaper and the celebration announcements. People with their in their fiftieth anniversaries and sixtieth anniversaries and eightieth anniversaries. Who has an 80th anniversary? <laughs> Yoda? Is, that not, is like, that not a thing? Is that? I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not I feel a like thing. Queen Elizabeth will probably have that. Is it? But she's like, what is she, 90 now? I don't know. Mm. She's old. How could, so she got married when she was 10? Well, don't... Listen. Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to... I'm gonna, I'm gonna okay, that. you're going to look that up. Yeah. Um, actually, just, just a little shameless plug. There's a podcast that I started listening to called Royal Blood. Mm-hmm. Noble Blood, sorry, Noble Blood, and she's phenomenal. She's great. So you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be beyond the pale that some monarch got married when they were twelve. She just turned ninety four. Wow! Like on April of this year, April twenty first. Wow. Uh, twenty twenty. Yeah. April twenty first. That's her anniversary. Yeah, it's like isn't that the spring equinox? No. That's May. No. No, it's March. March. <laughs> We just covered 18 topics there in a second. Oh, yeah. Wow. 94. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe she was married at 18. I don't know when she married Prince Philip. I'm, I'm checking that now. Okay. Isn't he, technology amazing? He's old as fuck, though. Is he's he old? 96. <laughs> it's like, oh, she's 94. Oh, he's old as fuck. He's 96. Like, yeah. he's only two years older than her. I mean, he looks like he's barely alive. He looks like he died a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, keep going. I'm anyway, around. okay. Yeah. So. Married in 1947. Oh, that was. So that's 70. 70 years would be 2017. So, so 73 years they've been married. Okay, so you might be right. She could hit 80 years. Okay, so. Okay, but, but he's going to be 100. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and do they look happy together? Have you seen them in a picture together? In a I while? don't know if I've seen them in a picture. Mm, do you think that? Do you think that maybe Philip and Elizabeth have gone seventy three years without fucking anybody else or flirting with anybody else or I don't know. Anyway, are you saying the Queen fucks? Uh, she does. <laughs> I feel like she does. 
Yeah. We're so off topic. Let's bring No, we're back. not. We're not off topic. I, what I was going to say is that a lot of these people don't look super happy. Okay. But it's like, if that's such a success, if that's the measure, the metric of a successful relationship, why does everyone look so miserable? Well, I think part of it is because that when you're talking about non-monogamy, nobody agrees on what that is. And, and it's not a failing of non-monogamy. It's just that... Well, there's one relatively widely agreed upon way to do monogamy. There are countless different ways to do non-monogamy. Okay, so maybe this is a good time to define. Let's do some, some terminology. Why, you're the academic. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so I think when I first learned about non-monogamy, I instantly and thought of. And when was of, that? Oh, when I was. When I was a teenager. Really? Yeah. When, when I tell you what, what my impression was, you'll understand. I thought that if you were non-monogamous, that word didn't exist, but the manifestation of that were swingers. Ah, okay. Okay? Key parties and where like there's a fishbowl and everybody just throws their car keys in and, you know, the wives pull house out keys. keys. House keys, maybe it's house keys. Yeah, nobody um, had an ultra lock right. in the seventies. <laughs> so they pull out a house. They pull out the house key, and whoever's house that was, they went home with that person. I'm not sure that actually happened. Oh, it did. Did it really? Mm-hmm. I've so, heard of those too. I mean, but just because two people have heard about it doesn't make it true. It's it's kind of true. Okay, but that would be my. That would I mean, be the first. Not example. a lot of. Not a lot of. I mean, consent is a bit of an issue there. Well, presumably you're consenting to whoever's keys get put in there by being at that party. I don't know. I still feel like I would like a veto. Well, gee, just don't go to the party if Karen's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going home with Karen. Fuck oh my Karen. God. Anyway, I'm sorry. So, swingers. So, swingers was my first um, kind of understanding of what it was like to be in a relationship, but also fucking other people. Now that kind of has that, and we've already alluded to it, that that connotation of, of it being sleazy and, you know, lots of polyester and mutton chops and like everyone's the 70s. Saying, everyone's saying chow. Yeah, groovy baby. No, it's the 60s, I guess. But but it it, 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 it smells like high karate and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it smells like the 70s. High karate, for those of you that are too young to know, is a really cheap cologne from the 70s mm-hmm. so and 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 the origins i mean a great this is a good time I'm sorry i thought you said orgy <laughs> and the this is a good time to bring in a really good re- reference and resource that uh, a book that we've already talked about a little bit uh in in previous in the previous episode but um that i was first introduced to about s- five or six years ago Maybe a little bit longer, longer, and I subsequently brought you into a B called Sex of Dawn by Christopher Ryan and Casilda Jethys, because um, they go through all these kinds of definitions. And the origin of those key parties and swinging goes back actually to military bases with pilots who were fighter pilots who were all male, and it was this sort of community thing as a way, you know, if your husband died in combat, it was a way of building and strengthening a community, uh, a support network, and what better way to create a support network than to fuck that support network, right? (laughs) Everybody's afraid to fuck their friends. Yeah, I mean, you like them enough to be friends, why wouldn't you want to fuck them? Uh, There's some of them I don't, but... Well, that's true. So that was my first understanding of what it was. And now if you kind of fast forward into the new millennium and now we're going into the third decade of the new millennium, is it still new? I guess. Um, There is, you know, think of like your Brooklyn hipsters with their expensive coffee and and loose morals and, and, and polyamorous lifestyles, which a lot of people, when they hear polyamory, they think of polygamy polygamy or polygamy sorry so can you for the 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 little babies out there can you you make that distinction because i had somebody actually make that mistake just a couple of days ago and i think wow you know polyamory i think is becoming more and more mainstream Mm -hmm. if i may maybe just seems that way because we talk about it but there's a very very big difference between polygamy and 
polyamory yeah. and polygyny. Yeah. So polyamory means many loves, poly, many, amor, amory, loves, right? Um, polygyny, or polygamy, sorry, is uh, one man and multiple women. Generally, when people think of polygamy, they think of like the Mormon polygamists in like Utah and stuff like that. Sister wives. Yeah, sister wives. Not all Mormons are polygamists, but generally all polygamists are Mormon. That's typically how it goes. Um, Sorry if I offended any other polygamists out there that weren't Mormon. But um, and then and then to a lesser extent, there is another version of polygamy called polyandry, which is one woman and many men. Yeah, but you don't see that very often. Not in this culture. No. But the the I think the defining feature difference between those two is that in polyamory, the males and the females both enjoy other relationships yes. and or other partners, and whereas in polygamy, the sister wives can't even interact sexually with one another. I guess it's mind. generally frowned upon, yeah. I mean, I do they? Do you think that's happening? No. I'm sure. I'm sure. Mm, they're not supposed okay, to. Okay, there was a great... Was I feel school? like I feel like bisexuality is probably frowned upon well, in that situation. I feel like you're supposed to be just for him. There was a great... I think it was a Showtime or HBO show called Big Love back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Okay. And it was like modern day polygamists living in like a suburban neighborhood. They had like three houses in a row and the no fences in the backyard and like you know everybody kind of came and went and did stuff like that um i didn't get the impression in that show that like it was just a big orgy all the time it's generally kept the guy gets all the access right and, and the and the women just help out with all the custodial duties and things like that now polyamory seems to be having a bit of a moment and it's a relationship model whereby there are multiple people in a loving relationship that can involve sexual and non-sexual relationships. Um, configurations vary. Styles vary. There's like kitchen table polyamory, which is where everybody in the relationship group, you know, kind of comes together literally at the kitchen table and talks among equals. There's triads and thruples and v's and w's and all these kinds of things where like maybe there's three people in this relationship and one person interacts with the other two people but those other two people are separate they don't interact with each other then a triad would be like a triangle where everybody interacts with everybody it i mean this is part of the reason why non-monogamy is so confusing to a lot of people is because there's so many different ways to do it i would say interesting i think it's confusing for people I think it's confusing for people to understand how you can... Read a little bit. Well, but... Read. Yeah, people don't do that. Reading is always a good lesson. And, and science is the answer for stupidity, but that doesn't mean that everybody is a scientist. <laughs> no. But I think a lot of people look at, at non-monogamous relationships. I think I think some people can wrap their head around fairly easily the idea that you can fuck somebody else, but not necessarily be in love with them. I think, I think people can separate sex and, and love. But I think, especially in the case of polyamory, it's a little harder for those people who can make that, that first step to having sex with somebody else to also accepting that you could love them as an equal. And that doesn't always, that's not always the way these polyamorous relationships are, are structured. There's paramours and metamors, so there's like different hierarchies. Um, and I think you, to circle back to what you said a little bit earlier about how um, there's a hierarchy of styles, there is often this perception that people who practice fully open and equal polyamory have somehow reached some evolved level of non-monogamy above all those dirty swingers and it's like the, nir- the nirvana like the nirvana of non-monogamy and i don't see it as a linear sort of path i don't think that you start being non-monogamous and you're only successful if you end up in a fully equal poly cube or something like that that's why i, I like to or think polycule. of it as as a as a continuum rather than a hierarchy 
you know, and, and again, if you, if you're looking at it as a continuum, it's sort of a sliding scale, depending on where you are in the relationship and who you're in the relationship with. Okay. Right. So, so the kind of relationship that I have with you, for example, say we finally, we finally break on the pineapple thing and I'm in a relationship with somebody else now. Well, that relationship is going to be completely different based on the dynamic of that relationship, the kind of trust we have, the kind of communication we have, the kind of compatibility that we have, and who's comfortable with what in each relationship. And I think this is why a lot of people tend to shy away from these kinds of relationships because it sounds like a lot of work. Because there's so much talking. All the talking, all the time. (laughs) And I think a lot of people just aren't comfortable with those kinds of relationships and, and, and those kinds of conversations. But, and, and even within a certain relationship, things are going to ebb and flow depending on situations and depending on, on how people are feeling or what's going on in your life or other outside pressures that might be happening. But I think that's one of the nice things about that is that you can have that conversation and it's, always changing it's it's never it's never okay well this is how it's going to be forever and ever and i think that is the one one of the problems with a monogamous relationship is that you get into this monogamous relationship and maybe you get into it fairly young and there's no there's no room to change that, the monogamous relationship, this is how this relationship is. These are the rules. It's going to be the rules like this until one or both of us die. And okay, enjoy. Enjoy that. And as we have seen, that doesn't always work. In fact, most of the time. I'm not going to say never. And I just want to go on record by saying I don't have a problem with monogamy. If people, if that's the kind of relationship that two people want and they have that discussion and they've agreed on a monogamous commitment, then you should honor that commitment. However, for the vast number of people, it's a very difficult thing to do. And that's something else that Chris Ryan and Casilda Jethy talk about in that book, is that if monogamy is so easy, if it is the natural order of things, why is it so hard? Why do we have so many rules around it? Why is it punishable by death in in some cultures to break that monogamous commitment. Why is adultery punishable by death? Why, why is that? Right? Um, so are you okay? You're right over there. Yeah. Just checking something. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think that those are some of the inherent problems with it. And that if you move into the continuum of non-monogamy, it's such a huge continuum and encompasses so many different models that once you delve into it there's so much more freedom in that and not just and not the freedom that people think where hey I can just fuck whoever I want whenever I want no that's not exactly how that works but I mean it could if you and your partner decide that's the type of non-monogamous relationships you want so that's a good jumping off point okay so let's talk about the different styles or the different ways that we have seen people okay do non-monogamy and we'll save our way of doing things maybe for the next episode yeah i think we'll yeah we'll we'll make this kind of a primer for that not we don't want to give you homework but primer slash teaser yeah right okay (laughs) so um i think the first foray for a lot of traditionally monogamous couples into any form of non-monogamy comes in the form of a threesome. Mm -hmm. Right? Usually, but not always. The fantasy, if it's a heterosexual couple, of the male in it. Because, I mean, if we look at all the porn that is out there, there's quite a bit of girl-on-girl porn made by men for men. I mean, not actually, it's made by women, but who are acting in it. But, you know, it's usually for a... For the male gaze, right? Because lesbian sex rarely looks like lesbian porn uh, in real life. 
so that's usually the first way I think a lot of couples get into it. Um, and how do you think that usually goes? It's oftentimes poorly planned, not very well thought out, and usually there's very little communication before or during, and almost always, in my experience, from what I've seen in other relationships, one or two or sometimes all three people end up being hurt in some emotional way, if not physically hurt in other ways. So, um, you know, it's generally not advisable to decide after you've been out at a bar and everybody's drunk to have your first threesome with somebody that you've picked up there i also think you know i it, it's not to be judgy or shaming no, no 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 that. no it's it's interesting because i i feel like there that comprises a lot of birthday presents <laughs> then that says happy birthday like I, we're gonna have a surprise threesome tonight yeah <laughs> That is, surprise threesomes are the worst idea ever. Yeah. Um, and and I think you're right. It, they're often poorly thought out. I feel like that's something that you need to sort of work up to. To check what your... Where, where your comfort level is. And I just want to say something else. And I, there's been a few of my friends who have said this to me. It's really interesting where... The idea of yeah. the the FMF or female, male, female or FFM threesome is completely, almost universally accepted and okay, hold on a fantasized about and encouraged. Yes. Okay. Sorry. You just threw out some terminology there that okay. I think would be useful to explain. All right. So you might see this, especially if you get into the dating sites and stuff like that, where you'll mm-hmm. see these these capital or lowercase letters, F, M, F, okay. and in some kind of combination. So the F would be female, the M would be male. But the order, it's not just the number of letters that are important, but the order is important as yes. well. So an F, M, F threesome would be a woman, man, woman. Um, but generally, the women would play with the man, yes. but wouldn't interact with each other. Whereas an F, F M threesome would be the women playing together as well as the women playing with. Okay. Them. Sorry, I just wanted to. No, no, no. I think that no, I think that's valid. And because I, the because M F M the one in the middle makes a difference. Yes, so it does. so, um, what's often referred to as a devil's threesome, <laughs> which is two men and a woman. I love your giggle. Well, why is that devilish? <laughs> I don't know. But Does it, Satan have two I know, penises? But, it, but like... it makes me want. But it makes me want to do it more. Um. <laughs> um so the MFM threesome is two men and a woman where the two men do not interact. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to get close. Yes. Unless the woman has an unusually lengthy torso. <laughs> Which then, okay, you can be a little further away. But generally, the, the, men, the, two, the two men have to be fairly comfortable with, you know... I mean, some men have never really gotten close to another naked dude, and there's there there needs to be a certain comfort it's level. Certainly, while not fucking a woman, right? Um, Maybe in the locker room. But but an FMM threesome would be, for all intents and purposes, bisexual men mm-hmm. and a straight woman, and yeah, you see that a lot less often. Yeah, um, I had to. Just a little teaser. I had to protect you one time from a <laughs> a, a in denial bisexual man. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he almost got hurt in that little exchange. <laughs> you, you had to swat hands. <laughs> I believe it was a mouth. I think I believe it was a face. I was swatting away. Oh man. Yeah. 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 You're welcome. Mm. Not that there's anything wrong with that. That's Thanks, just love. not your. You're a pretty straight, dude. Well, it's just not my. We had had a conversation, and communication is is important. We we had a conversation about that exact thing, and had been clear about what <laughs> we thought everybody's expectations were. <laughs> but let me tell you, it is rarely a good idea to establish rules and then change them on the fly. Bad idea. It's a bad idea. Take a time out, but I don't want. That was just a little teaser. Sure. I don't want to get any further into. Your triceps are looking great today, by the way. I just want to say. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, 
I interrupted you. We were talking about the... What a surprise. I know. But we were talking about what those letters actually mean. Oh, what mean. those letters mean. So yeah, we've done so, that. We've talked about so, that. So, yeah. MFM, FFM, um, MFMF is normally two heterosexual, for the most part, couples. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen FMMMMMM, <laughs> which is basically a gangbang yeah. for, for the uninitiated. Um, so, yeah. So, where was I going with that? Why was I talking about that? Why were we talking about... Well, we were talking about threesomes of the... you know. Oh, okay. Oh, the surprise threesome and the your birthday present And the universal thing that we find in threesomes, one way is acceptable and the other way is not. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I had had friends that where their husbands would be totally cool with another woman joining them. It's so sarcastic when you say totally. Okay, cool. But if they bring up... if, If... the wife or girlfriend brings up, well, you know what would be cool, like also to have another dude, and they go, uh, absolutely not. Uh, fuck no. Just a question for you, Dante. Why do you think that is? What I mean, you don't have to tell me why having another woman in the room is so acceptable, but I want you to talk about what do you, even if it's a, another straight man, what do you think are the mechanics of that? Why or the psychology of that? Why are men so? You know, <laughs> why are they so, I don't know if they're afraid or why are they so averse to that configuration? What do you think some of the issues are there? Uh, I think a lot of straight identifying men think that if you are in a room naked with another presumably straight identifying man, that somehow it's gay if the two of you are naked together, even if between you is a naked woman and you're only doing something with that woman, I think there's that fear that it's somehow going to be gay. It's going to be Brokeback Mountain or something like that in there. I also think Super that, hot movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it, see it. Uh, and I think also there is in a lot of men's minds and insecurity about their abilities Hmm. that if you can convince the person that you're with that you have you know a 12 inch cock when you don't have a 12 inch cock but if they've never seen another cock they don't know have they seen a measuring tape or maybe not but if you can you know if you can go to them and be like oh yeah five inches is huge and if they don't have experience, they don't know what's average, big, or small, right? And if you won't do things with your partner, but this new person will do those things, I think there is a fear of if they are better than you at pleasing your partner, then your partner might be like, well, I don't need this guy. I'm going to go with that guy. Or that woman or whoever it is and i think that 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 fear that you won't measure up on both sides and then and we'll talk from a heterosexual perspective because we are a heterosexual couple um, for, the most part. for the most part but i mean we are a couple that has a straight identifying man and a straightish identifying woman in it and so i i, I don't want to presume to speak for people who are in gay couples or in bisexual couples because that's not my experience but i think that i think to be to be fair not to interrupt you Hmm. but to interrupt you i think the gay couples kind of have it figured out this talk is not for yeah they're not looking at a primer on they 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 were the first past the post on this thing so to speak yeah um we're talking to mostly hetero couples that are terrified of what all of this would mean for their relationship. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. So I think that's why. I think that's why with uh, threesomes, particularly the MFM threesome, the male, female, male, where the males don't play with each other. The devil's threesome. The devil's threesome. Is that why they call it the devil's threesome? Because they're, they're afraid like it might make you curious for dick after no, that? No, I think it's this. Oh, the horn. You're doing the horns. Right. I'm throwing the horns, right? So there's oh, one dick. It. 
there's the woman. Then the flat space. The flat space is like, right? And then, yeah. Wow. You know what? I was today years old when I when I understood why they call it the devil's threesome. Mm. And, and at the same time, I got you to throw the horns, which is, you know, it just warms my little black metal heart. Little imp of darkness. My little imp of darkness heart. People don't know what that is. Let's put a picture of that in the show notes, too. Okay. Let me just make a note. Okay. There. So what do you think? I think the fear uh, for a lot of women becomes you know of of other of their man having other sexual partners or incorporating other sexual partners i think it's it's very much the same that their partner will automatically prefer that other partner to you and i think the fear and the jealousy all like jealousy is fear and anger and like all of those things wrapped up and most most often than not is fear of loss or fear mm-hmm. of of someone else getting something that you're supposed to be getting. I always look at when I try to when I have discussions with people about this, whether they are in the quote unquote lifestyle, which seems to be <laughs> I know it sounds gross, but that seems to be gross. the the catch all phrase for non monogamy. Okay. Which oftentimes most often referred to that? with swingers. Um, I try to like when 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 I talk to people about this who are who are trying to wrap their heads around it. I say to them, "Look, do you like eggs?" And most oftentimes they'll say yes, and they I'm like, "Cool." So, um, you like eggs, so you're gonna have eggs every morning for breakfast for the rest of your life. Cool. Maybe today you get to have bacon or toast or insert some other breakfast food here. That doesn't mean. You don't like eggs anymore. It's just mixing things up a little bit. Maybe you put that egg on that toast and <laughs> bam, devil's threesome, right? Like, yeah. I really hate it when you compare <laughs> me to food. You're not, I'm not comparing you to food. I'm peanut butter toast. You're peanut butter toast? No, okay. <laughs> but you know, but so. What, look, but here, like, what are your friends? Most of your friends are in monogamous relationships as far from as what they you know, know as far as, as they far know, as they know and as far as you know what does that mean exactly when you say as far as they know well what, you don't what actually do we know what do we know about monogamous monogamous i'm doing air quotes couples well because you're only as monogamous as your partner has has convinced you that is the case you don't if you are in a relationship where your partner goes off to work for eight hours of the day somewhere else Theoretically, I mean, you if you have no reason not to trust them, you assume they are at their place of work conducting their job. But they could be off in a hotel room fucking somebody for any one of those multiple work days So a what week. you're saying is lots of monogamous people cheat. Yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot do. And unfortunately, they're not always smart about how they do that. And, or safe. Or safe. And, and that's, that was where I was going with this is that... You know, people think that if you're in an open relationship and you are having sex in some fashion with multiple partners, that you are somehow less safe than somebody in a monogamous relationship. But more often than not, I've always been amazed at how many people's relationships have been blown up because of cheating. And how much of that cheating was done raw dog? Like, no protection, nothing. And and you're just kind of like, wow, you go to all these lengths to keep this from your partner, and then you come home with syphilis. How do you explain that to your partner? Is it the 1700s? No, syphilis, still, is, that syphilis a thing? is a thing. Okay, yeah. chlamydia is a thing. Gonorrhea is a thing. Herpes is a thing. Herpes is a thing. It, HPV. HPV. <laughs> Did you just hear I, We Are the Earth? I just your... <laughs> heard the little Dicky song We Are the okay, Earth where, little, the where little Yachty says yeah. he's HPV. <laughs> Don't let me in. Don't let me in. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a koala who's filled with chlamydia. That's a problem with anyway. It is. Um chlamydia and koalas is a problem. So and this is I absolutely agree with you that it seems like people in monogamous relationships they pride themselves on being in a monogamous relationship, but one or both of them is cheating. And because they're in denial about what they're doing, they're not being safe. No. And the rate of STIs 
for non-monogamous people versus monogamous people are about the same. I think they're slightly... I think I think the safety statistics, and this is all anecdotal, I don't... Like, from what I have read, and I can't cite a specific study, but generally non-monogamous, consensually non-monogamous mm. people, um, so basically people who are not cheating on their partner... There's some level of, of transparency there. Generally have lower uh, rates of STIs than people, even though they are having sex with multiple, multiple. people. Um, so what is, let's kind of go back to, or talk about a little bit, why do we need to go here? What do you? What are some of the mechanics of why people need to have sex with other people in the first place why do we why do we even need to have this conversation why do these things even exist uh chris ryan and in sex at dawn and esther perel and a number of people have talked about that familiarity in a relationship can bring a lot of positive things but one of the things that drops in a long-term monogamous relationship is sexual desire now do you think that's just writing or are those very big brain smart people onto something b what i think is more interesting is that i I think a lot of people most people have been if if you're into your third or fourth decade on this planet you've been in a long-term relationship and you've experienced that sort of loss of desire or, you know, your sex life going into the toilet after a certain point of time. Um, But I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it's men who lose interest in their partner. And I've recently been delving into the work of Dr. Wednesday Martin, who is, she's written an amazing book called Untrue about female sexual desire. And that, in fact, it's women who get bored first in a long-term relationship, especially if she is cohabitating with her partner. Why do you think that is? Because men are gross and women get turned off by that. So she does talk about um, men and women are different in how they frame their desires. So the, she gave this great example Um so, for example, say you go, say I'm, you go into the bathroom and you find um, something that I forgot to flush. Like what? Like like a little treasure. Okay. Like a little poop that didn't go down. Or what that... are you talking about? Girls don't poop. <laughs> we poop rainbows and sparkles, <laughs> glitter. Um, say messy. <laughs> So you find that and you go, oh, okay, and you flush that. Um, You could still walk into the room and want to fuck me, right? Mm -hmm. Would would you be like, ew, ew, she's gross, like I don't want to. I mean, aside from the trauma that it's caused that you just recently found out that I don't poop rainbows and glitter. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas women would find that and go, ugh, that is gross, like I don't want... Now they don't want to fuck you because you're gross. And it's going to take a while and take some, you know, non-gross things to make us forget about that so that we want to fuck you again. And unfortunately, when you live with your partner, those gross things start to build up. <laughs> There's no, and you know, and... This metaphor is getting grosser and It is grosser. gross, but I, I thought it was a really, really good example because, you know... And and that sort of, you talk about that familiarity, I would also offer that there is an apathy that sets in in a long-term relationship that where people start, I hate to use the bathroom analogy again, but like going to the bathroom with the door open and like not trying so hard anymore with how you look or, you know, those kinds of things. And I think that that, that sends very subtle messages to your partner that, you know, I have you now. You're stuck with me. You can't leave me now because we're married or we have kids together or we have a home together. Or we have all of those things. And 
it's actually not true because people break up all the time, regardless of all of those things. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, when you can't be bothered to flush your poop or I can't be bothered to make myself look nice every once in a while, that chips away at desire because that accelerates that familiarity. And so, you know, Esther Perel talks about desire is the wanting and love is the having. And I thought that was so great to make that distinction. And so what we want to do is to maintain that wanting. And to bring it right down to the brass tacks, when your partner is flirting with, having sexual contact with, you know, it sort of renews that wanting of your partner. You know, it's sort of like a toddler who has a toy that they've been playing with for a while. It's their favorite, but they're kind of sick of it so they kind of shove it to the side and they don't and then someone else another little toddler comes and picks it up and goes "Ooh, cool and they go oh, hold on that's my toy and i think in monogamous couples that creates tension mm-hmm. whereas in people that have explored a non-monogamous model that is a sense of excitement and the reignition of desire and wanting and you know that kind of thing. And I think the people that we know in healthy non-monogamous relationships will will say that that is one of the massive benefits that they they get for their relationship, that boost that that energy hit to their relationship of how how charged up they get as a result of the encounters that they have. When every when when all the pieces fall into place how and we and we'll talk more in the next episode about how to structure these types of relationships but when all those pieces fall into place how 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 the mileage that you get out of that in your relationship far exceeds the actual encounter itself mm-hmm. and you're right we we should get into that in the next thing but i think it it also bears stating that Chris Ryan talks about, Esther Perel talks about, Wednesday Martin talks about, Dan Savage talks about, we are hardwired for novelty mm-hmm. and variety yep. and adventure. Yep. If you think about, you know, anytime you transition from a relationship that is at its end and your energy levels and your, you know, all of those things, once that's gone and you start a new relationship, so many things are reignited. Mm-hmm. And because it's new, it's novel. You're discovering each other. You're you can't get enough of each other. That's that's we're hardwired for that because the idea is for us to keep finding new partners to procreate with, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of the idea. That's how that's how it's supposed to work. But just because we have society and culture and family units and all of those things and civilization, it doesn't dampen that desire that hard wiring for novelty and for variety, right? So how do we make that non-monogamy is a way to make that work within the cultural and societal structures that we've built in this, in, in, in our, in 2020, right? I think far more people are non-monogamous than most people would believe just because most of your friends seem like they're in a monogamous relationship i think you would be surprised to find out how many are in some flavor of a non-monogamous relationship whether they um, evolved or developed evolved a bad word whether they transitioned or developed into a non-monogamous relationship or as in the case of our relationship sort of from the beginning started out with the understanding that things like sexual novelty would be important in a long-term relationship and structure that relationship in such a way to um, through communication and boundaries and all these kinds of things to create something like what we have right now and that we'll talk about more in the next episode. <laughs> yes, we will. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah. But, and, and just, you know, to sort of, we can wrap it up, I guess, a little bit. Um, 
just to talk about the fact that it doesn't need to be sexual contact. When you talked about most people are practicing some sort of non-monogamy, it can be as innocuous as swiping on a dating app Mm -hmm. or having, you know, flirting with a work colleague or out at a bar or, you know, like it doesn't even need to be something that you follow through all the way with with some kind of sex act it doesn't have to be that way at all right and and i think most people are engaging in that kind of stuff and in secrecy from their partner and that it would be a big deal if that came out and so again as we kind of wrap this up and look towards our next episode on this um maybe just a little bit of a conversation about that kind of behavior and what it actually means and what the other person is getting out of that would save a lot of grief for a lot of people that have chosen to be in monogamous relationships even just to have a conversation about what that monogamous commitment means to each of those people and what kind of room there is for novelty Mm -hmm. and variety without stepping outside of the sexual relationship so yeah that was a nice little introduction i think yeah i think so we'll get into more in the next episode about how to do non-monogamy some of the lessons that we've learned how we how we got there how we got there lessons that we've learned because you know we're not perfect now and and we certainly didn't start out as successful in that type of relationship model as as we would have liked to have been that pitfalls and hurdles along the way um but also some unexpected benefits yes yeah there were there were benefits that you you were kind of told you were going to get and Mm -hmm. then there were the unexpected ones which were kind of a nice surprise so check out the show notes for links to all of our social sites uh we'll put links in the show notes to the very funny we are the earth a video for little Dicky. Um, we'll show you what an imp of darkness looks like, and uh, we'll put a, a link uh, on Amazon for uh, some of the books that we've talked about as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, also, if you enjoyed the podcast, give it a thumbs up. You know, give us a rating. A review is great. Um, feedback is also great. I I would love to know where you guys would like us to go with this. Things that you would like us to talk about. Um, it all helps us out. So if you could do that, that'd be awesome. All right. Thanks, B.